0: So, last Sunday, um, last Sunday, I took a break from our series, The Root to Everything. Fear is the root to every evil thing on planet Earth. Fear is. And um, last week was Mother's Day, so we had our Mother's Day message. And so, uh, I, had a, I had a couple things here that uh, I was going to read to you. I, I talked to you about some things that my my mother taught me, and so I have a few other things that my mother taught me that I wanted to I wanted to uh, read to you. Um, <clears throat> my mother taught me the irony of fear. Keep crying, and I'll give you something to cry about. Hmm. She taught me how to fear uh, the future. When we get home, your dad's going to wear you out. (laughs) The fear of anticipation of receiving, right? He's going to take you out. And, you know, um, there, there are... I'm just joking. Those are just a couple of jokes. My mom never really did much of any of that. Anyway, but but in the world we live in, in the fallen world that we live in, parents have all made big mistakes. Parents have all made mistakes. Um, my parents divorced when I was young. I know a lot of people that came from divorced families or have no families at all, and so pretty much my, brothers and si- my, my, my my brother and two sisters and I were pretty much on our own. We kind of lived in different places. We didn't live together. We were separated, and so there were just all kinds of things that went on. Parents make mistakes, and parents do things that put fear in, in their children. You know, like, like this statement. If you've ever said this, I'm just making a point because of my message today. But this is a good point. Don't run out in the street because that car is going to kill you. Well, that's not really true. A car won't kill you if you don't get in front of it. But you can put fear on your kids that, that the street is a horrible place and that cars are this, you know, these death machines. And they're really not. It's just if you get in the wrong place at the wrong time, and there's ways to teach that. See, the, the, the reason that a child would do that is because they're not taught. And just putting fear on them is not going to help them. Because even a little bit of fear is not good for anybody. You know, a, a little bit of poison will take you out. Right? Same way with a little bit of fear, because a little fear will turn into more fear. But we've been taught all kinds of stuff, and parents have all made mistakes. And we've all put fear on our children. If you're, if you're a parent or, and, and, and your children are already raised like, like mine are, everybody's put fear in and on your children. I don't care who you are because of the fallen world and nature that we live in. We live in a fallen world, and, and because we were born into a nature and there's a God that's not our God that is the God of the system of the world. Not the earth and not the fullness of the earth, but the system that people live in. He's the God of the system. The, Bible te- the only reason I say this because th- that's what the Bible says. The devil is the God of the system. And we were born into a lot of negative stuff and a lot of negative ideas and fear-filled ideas. And so people are just gripped with fear. Most of what people do in life... They do through fear until they learn through the Word of God how to be delivered of that. So I'm not saying you're part of most people. I'm just saying all of us, even sitting in here today, have operated in fear in one form or another. And God just, He He wants us liberated and free of that. So, um, in in my message today, I want to, I want to show you a couple things. This isn't this isn't going to be a long message today because I want to drive a point home that I think is really important about understanding the root that fear has in our lives and how to not just cut the root off. How many of you ever cut something off at the root at the top and it grows back? I don't want it growing back. Man, I was pulling weeds yesterday. You know, after this long week of rain and stuff, I was pulling weeds. Ooh, don't you just love to pull a weed and the whole root comes out? You just swing that root around. Hmm? Oh, man, I love it. There's something about that feeling. But when you get something that's got a pretty deep root and it's pretty dry out there, you're pulling on it, or you get even, you know, I got one of those little deals, whatever you call them, little poker. (laughs) But uh, and and you go around the root, you know, and you still, if it's dry, you still try to pull it out. Oh man, it just you—you got it, and and you know that thing has the potential to grow back. I don't want the roots of fear to grow back. I want them up and out. You know why? Because it puts a smile on your face, And and it and it and it and it just does something for the people around you when you smile because it's coming out of your heart. A smile and joy out of your heart just does something to people around you. When you're forcing it, ah, people can tell, you know, because it's a strained smile. It's straining. But when it's out of the heart, it's because things, because you're practicing and you're working on stuff and you're removing things. And it's, and it's, and it's, a, it's a day-to-day development of it, you know. And, and, then, and the things that become developed and established, they remain. And, you, and you, you can't be, t- man, when you taste the fruit of, of what faith produces, fear, ugh, who wants to be afraid? I don't want to be afraid of anything or anybody. Not the fear of man, not the fear of failing, not the fear, you know, of the dark, not the fear of what other people might could do to, and I don't want to fear anything. Not any type of fear, not even a, a just even a portion of it. I don't want any type of fear in my life whatsoever. How about you? I just got a couple of things I think are the key to keeping fear away but identifying day-to-day what is, what is being affected by the root of fear. Because if you realize maybe what some of your actions are really about and you realize what that is and you can make an alteration and a correction, as you begin to make that correction from your heart, what you're doing is you're removing that root And you're removing the whole root, and what will happen is it won't come back. Because, man, when you've tasted of the good side, you don't go back to the other side. Who wants ugly when you got awesome? I don't want ugly days anymore. I want awesome days. Amen? Psalm 34 and verse 1. Psalm 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord. Everybody say sought. I sought the Lord. The Amplified says, I inquired of the Lord. And He heard me, and what did He do? He delivered me from some of my fears. From the real bad ones. No. He delivered me from all of my fears. And i, I just tell you this. I can speak for myself, but when I came into the kingdom, I had, the, the, my all was a bunch. It was a bunch of all. Some people's all... Their basket may not be as full of fear as mine was, but mine was full of fear. And I sought the Lord, and He delivered me from all fear. All fear. All fear. And and they were my fears. Okay? But today, it's not my fear. Amen? Fear is not mine. Because He delivered me from all of those. All of it. All fear. I don't care what it is, he delivered me from all fear. I sought the Lord and he delivered me. Everybody say, I sought the Lord. So David's saying here, I sought the Lord and something happened. It didn't just happen and oh, now I can seek the Lord. No, no, no. He sought the Lord in his fears and the Lord delivered him. So follow with me here. I sought the Lord. And he delivered me from all of my fears. What does that mean? I don't have to fear. We read a few weeks back, Second Timothy one seven. God hasn't given me fear, so I don't have to receive fear. Okay, and that's not like that's not just for the you know those who are not faint-hearted. That's not just that's not just for those who have a lot of word and revelation they've been born again for 45 years, you know, that God, you know, they don't have to have fear. You and I have been delivered from something that God hasn't given us because the devil's tried to make you and I believe that God has given us fear and we're trying to get rid of it. He hasn't given us fear, so we don't have to put up with it. And today fear belongs to someone else. I don't mean another human being, it belongs to the devil. Fear is from the enemy, and, and it's his ploy, it's his counterfeit to try to get us to believe that God can't do what he said. The anachronym the that I gave you for fear uh, in the last couple of weeks, fear, the anachronym is this, uh, false evidence appearing real false evidence appearing real so if that's true that what fear is then what is faith faith is real evidence things that are really seen that in other words if i see something in my body i see sickness in my body that is real I'm not denying the fact that there's not sickness that's attached itself. If if I have a cold and I'm blowing my nose and my nose is running and and my head's whatever, my eyes are watering and someone asks me the question, you know, do you have symptoms in your body? No, 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 I don't. Well, you're lying. Because the symptoms are there. They're real. The evidence is real that there's something that is affecting your body. But you know what faith says? Faith says what appears to be real is not real this is real, by his stripes I'm healed. That's real. See, that's what I choose to receive in the moment when the natural looks a certain way. You can't deny it. I mean, I mean, if you, uh, one day I was, I was it, it was too early in the morning because it was really cold in the wintertime and I was playing golf with a couple of guys. Is anybody in here that I was playing golf with? I can't remember who it was. Anyway. I hit it I hit a drive off a tee box and I'm walking back toward the cart where 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 my clubs were and there was a railroad tie step the steps were railroad ties and I hit that frozen railroad tie <laughs> I wish I had video cuz I don't know what way I went up and down and whatever and and I hit my head and my leg and right here right here the, the scar is almost gone but it was like from here to here and just profusely bleeding out my leg but I couldn't I hit my head so hard I was I couldn't remember where I was and and the guys go pastor are you all right I don't know <laughs> you know and I had this big scar and so I'm sitting there and they, and one of them drives me back to the clubhouse and I'm sitting up there in my car and i and I, I don't even remember getting home, right? Isn't that what I told you? I, I don't even remember driving to my house. But when I was sitting in my car, all I could remember doing was declaring that my leg is healed. You know? I mean, it felt like something broke or I don't know what happened, but I just declared it was healed in the name of Jesus. So I, in, into the story was, that was a real thing that happened. I can't deny that there was blood and everything else coming out of my leg and my head was I hit my head and I wasn't sure where I was or whatever. But what was coming out of me is what God says is so. That's what I began to speak because I'd put so much of that in me it was coming out of me even though my head and my mind and everything else was kind of dazed and my body was hurting or whatever. It was real evidence but, he, but he's saying that's not real this is real. You don't deny what you see or how you feel, but it's not real. This is real, see? And this is what delivers me from the fear that, oh my gosh, my leg's broken. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this. Oh my gosh, what, 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 you know, your, your head starts going in every different direction because we've been trained that way. We've been trained to think that way. And I'm telling you today, we don't have to think that way. But we're going to talk a little bit about where that came from, and then I'm going to drive my little point home. Genesis 3 and we're just going to start with verse 7. We're just going to kind of jump in. God's created man, created him male and female. Then he breathed life into his physical body and he became a living soul. He created him a spirit, then he breathed life into the body. The body became, really became a living soul. He became a three-part being by the third chapter of Genesis. He is a spirit. Man is a spirit. Has a soul, mind, will, and emotions and lives in a physical body. And we see that all in, this first, in the first two chapters of Genesis. And then in chapter 3, God gave Adam and Eve instruction. Everything is yours in the garden except the tree in the middle. Don't mess with it. You don't need it. You don't need to know anything about it. Don't mess with the tree. Verse 7. When... They messed with the tree, and they ate the fruit. This is what happened. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, do we have any account that they ever hid themselves from God any other time? Did they have any reservations at all about being in the garden and being in the presence of the Lord? Did they have any reservations at all about uncovered bodies? Absolutely none until this point right here. Till this point right here, that there was no reservation; they were at liberty and freedom to worship God and and do do what they were doing and now we see <clears throat> that they're hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him where are you do you think God knew where he was yeah yeah <laughs> i mean come on where are you he said I heard your voice in the garden, and what? I was afraid. Fear comes on the scene for the first time with humanity right here. Prior to this, there was no fear. There was absolutely no fear. So the question is, and we're going to answer it in just a moment, the question is, why? Why fear here? Why did fear enter into the garden? That's the question. We're going to answer it in a minute. So he says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? What's his response? The woman. He asked Adam the question, and Adam's response. Adam's response wasn't a long, drawn out thing, you know, and kind of beating around the book. The woman. Is that what it said? The woman. Those are his first words, the woman. Oh, but it goes farther than that. God is the woman you gave me. I was fine until she came along. Right? She gave it to me, and I ate it. So it's a woman that God gave him, and she gave him, and he chose to eat what she gave him. I don't know. There's some real craziness in that. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, first two words, the serpent. So, All of a sudden, fear enters in and the blame game starts. And for over 6,000 years, we've been dealing with the blame game. But the blame game is because of fear. When people don't take responsibility for their own actions and the things that they do, it's because of fear. But the question is, and this is what I want to answer today just in this message, the question is this, how did the fear enter in? And how has fear entered into your and my life? And what do we do to stop it? We're going to settle that right here, right now, this morning, and then you walk out of here today choosing to never fear again. Ah, wow, Pastor, can you never fear again? You can make the choice to. And when situations come and things try to grab you, and you give in to it, you repent, you move on. But you make a determination, I'm not, I am not living in fear from this day on. We're going to pray about that in a moment. We're going to make confessions in, regarding that. And I'm telling you today, you don't have to fear. And I'm telling you today, faith and confidence in God can arise in your life from day to day where you get empowered to a place that fear will never grip your life. In fact, the Scripture tells us that it's not just something in the sweet by and by and something we can hope is going to work out, something that we can have boldness and confidence in every day of our life. Fear will not master and rule my life. Amen? We can have that. So, why was Adam afraid? Eve never said she was afraid. Adam was afraid. Why was Adam afraid? Okay? And, and, and it's simple, but it's not the, the answer is simple, but the explanation and what goes with it is not simple. This is the answer. He sinned. And that word, for a lot of people, is scary. <laughs> that word, for a lot of that, that puts fear on a lot of people. Oh my gosh, sin. <laughs> because people don't know what sin is. So, go to Mark 9, and I want to look at this passage, and then I want to look at Romans 6, and, we're, and we'll be done. Mark 9 And verse, we're going to start with verse 23. So... So, there's a man in the crowd. Here's Jesus teaching, and this man is in the crowd. And he's got his son with him, and he starts telling him what's wrong with his son. These devils get on him and throw him on the ground, and he profuses, and they can't do anything about it, and I went to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything about it, you know? <clears throat> and it continues to happen. Have we ever seen in the church where there were, there were situations and... Nothing could be done about it. And -and so-and-so prayed, but it didn't change. Pastor laid his hands on people, somebody, and, and it didn't change. This happened, and it didn't change, and it didn't change, and this didn't change, and this didn't change. Thank God for all the things that have changed. Everybody say yes and amen. We want everything to change, right? But there are times when we've seen things not change. People not receive their healing. People, certain Situations happen and, 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 and people not get what they were believing for. <clears throat> so I'm not here to answer why. I'm just here to tell you that there is a root to everything, and that root, either directly or indirectly, is fear. Everything. And it, and it bears itself out in the Word. And in this situation, I want you to watch. So the Father's coming to Him. And Jesus says this in verse 23, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and he said with tears. What does that mean? He said this to Jesus in tears. You know, maybe he's faking the tears, but probably not. This is heartfelt. It's real. His tears are real. And this is what he says. Lord, I believe, but help my what? Unbelief. Listen to me. <clears throat> that declaration should be something that you're not afraid of. Yes. And people that have taught faith for years, I, I believe taught some of this. Not not every, I mean, not the people that taught me. They didn't teach what I'm fixing to say here, but I've heard people that have taught faith say this thing that that statement right there was a statement in itself of unbelief. Maybe, but it was a statement from the heart of the person. And what God looks at is the heart, and what God's looking for is you and I to turn toward Him from our hearts and say, you know what, God? Okay, maybe somebody else got healed of this, maybe this thing changed, maybe somebody's, someone else I heard the testimony of how th- this situation wasn't working for them financially and then it changed, but God, it's not happening for me. I-, I-, I believe your word, I know your word is true, but I need you, I'm asking you to help me because I am struggling in unbelief here. And when that's something out of your heart, not just trying to get God to do something and take the responsibility off of you, when it's from your heart, I'm telling you what you're doing, what that should turn into is asking God for wisdom. And the Bible says, anybody that lacks wisdom, ask of God and he'll freely give it to all of us because God's no respecter of person. What he wants, he's a respecter of faith and it's what pleases him because he wants us receiving what we believe for. It's not, if you're not in faith, you're unpleasing to God. It didn't say that. It said that without faith, it's impossible to please Him because He will not settle until you're on the receiving end of everything that rightfully belongs to you. That's what Jesus came for. He didn't come here for for some people to get in and some people not. He didn't come for some to get saved and some not. Well, they weren't intended to because they were born on the other side of the tracks. Or their skin was a different color. I mean, I know people that believe that kind of garbage. There's two races of people in the world, and really they're one because God created them all, but there's two races of people where kingdom principles are concerned, and that's those who are saved and those who aren't. That's it color of the skin where you were born, nationality or anything else. We all are a certain amount of dirt and a certain amount of buckets of water. And some people got a little darker and a little lighter skin than others because your dirt was lighter or darker. That's it. <sharp inhale> Nothing else. Anybody else tries to tell you anything else about colors of skin? There's cultural differences that we all have because of where you were raised and what you were taught. Yeah, there's cultural difference, but not skin. No difference. And that's where it's got to end. And our nation did a horrible job of that for certain colors of skin at different times through the years. Did a horrible job. I'm taking responsibility for our nation. Did a horrible job. Horrible. We're not talking about the past. Forget what's behind. We're here today, let's live it today, and let's walk it out today, and let's be that today. Amen? Not let those differences get in the way of what we really need to focus on. And we need to be people that are liberated and free from fear. Amen? Amen? So the man says, help my unbelief. Now watch this. It's interesting what Jesus says here. When Jesus saw the people... And they came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Notice Jesus' faith statement was not a sermon. Was his word? Come out. Be healed. Be gone. When when Jesus said something by faith, it was because he knew what Father wanted said, and he knew if he said what Father said, it would come to pass. And when you and I are liberated from fear, we have the ability to hear Father. And what Father wants and what we say comes to pass if what we say is what he said is already so. The Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Now watch verse 28 and 9. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked, because remember, they tried to do it and it didn't work. His disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? Cast it out, the demons. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing. Then what? What is prayer and fasting? Prayer and fasting... Prayer and fasting is consecration. Prayer and fasting is consecration. Put uh, Psalm um, thirty. Put Psalm thirty-four back up there for me. Can we do that real fast? <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make. It's boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Verse 4. I did what? That word sought there. When you define the, the, the books that I use to define words, in the Old Testament it's the Hebrew translation. In the New Testament it's the Greek. <clears throat> the Hebrew translation of the word sought is not exactly from the same word, but it's indirectly from the same word of consecration in in a couple other verses of Scripture. So David consecrated himself. He sought the Lord, and the Lord heard him, and he delivered him. These things only come out when you consecrate yourself. You seek Me. You know me when you can't do it and and, and you become weak. Well, I've already got that covered. When I'm weak, then He's strong. So when I stay consecrating myself and and coming to Him for what I need and receiving it, then I'm delivered from fear. And I'm telling you, if fear is off of you, faith is arising if you have the Word sown in your heart. Because fear is what robs and steals and suppresses faith from arising and developing and maturing into what it was created to be because there's not anything that can stop you and I if we have faith in God for anything that he's called us to do fear is the is the robber fear is what comes to rob and steal and and to destroy what rightfully belongs to you and I These things won't happen. These impossible situations, the the disciples came and said, man, this is an impossible thing. The impossible situations come and manifest into not just possible, but true manifestations as we consecrate and we seek the Lord and we go before the Lord. And He, in the midst of what I'm facing and dealing with, He's delivering me of fear and what's happening is faith is arising. Then I hear the voice of God, and then my faith declarations are the things that change the things around me. When I speak something out of faith in God, there's nothing that can stop it. Nothing. Because if I'm declaring what God has already said is so in a given situation that I face, then I I have the right to the same results that Jesus got. Because he said, the works that I do, you'll do, and even greater works because of where I've gone. I've gone to the right hand of the Father. I'm representing you. Now what you say that I say you should say by the Holy Ghost is what's going to happen and come to pass. I don't know about you, but that's great news. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans 6, and we'll end with this. Romans 6. And verse 23. For the wages of what? Sin, Sin is death. When, when, when you work a job and you have wages that you're paid, did they belong to you? Right? You you have a right to those because you worked for them. Amen. Right? Notice here, in this verse, he said the wages of sin is death, but the wages of God is eternal life. Is that what it said? Yeah. The gift. There's a difference between wages and gifts. Wages are something you work for and you receive them. You have a, they, they, are being, they are being written out and given to you because you work for them. Most people... <clears throat> that live their life in what we call, what the Bible calls sin, it's because they're working hard for it. And the harder you work to try to get the grace of God and the gift of the grace of God to work on your behalf, the worse it gets. Because grace is not wages, it's a gift. Sin comes as a result of what we work at thinking that we're going to acquire and establish God's righteousness in our life. It's a lie. It's not going to happen. Wages come from those who walk and live in disobedience and are not honest with themselves. I'm going to say it again. Wages come to those who walk in disobedience because what sin is, okay, people think that, well, adultery is sin no it's the act of disobeying what God said was right you see it's the that's the act the sin is the disobedience part see fear didn't enter in until Adam disobeyed what God said was so so what we have is Adam was given everything and then he made a bad choice and it was taken away we stepped into what was taken away from us, and now we're learning to receive back what rightfully belongs to us because of what the blood of Jesus accomplished. The blood of Jesus put us back where Adam was, but with a mind that has been affected by this natural world that we were born into. And the natural world is stooped in fear and what you can't have and being afraid of this thing and that and allowing this to to rule our lives. And if we don't change it and begin to receive the gift of grace and, and the gift of righteousness that has been bestowed upon us, then we labor to be right with God. And what happens is you dig a deeper and a deeper and a deeper hole. Wages of disobedience to God is sin. And it's death. It's destruction. It's not just dying, but it's living a life where you're destroyed, where you're not receiving what God has already paid for. And the harder you work at it, instead of learning to receive it, the worse it gets. I was raised in the golf world, so I played golf all my growing up. And I turned professional and I taught golf and taught people how to play golf. And uh, every time I'd get somebody that, that wanted lessons, that was usually, this is a good example, that was a baseball player. They thought that the harder they wound up and swung at the ball, the farther the ball would go, because that's what they're taught in baseball. But in actuality, the more timing that you have, and, and, and the greater timing that's in your swing, we, we compare it in golf to like the pendulum on a clock. It's just back and through the farther you'll hit it. So a guy can stand over a golf ball and swing like this and hit it farther than a guy that just winds up and puts everything he has into it and, and, and he's tried so hard to make it work when, when what you have to do is trust the swing. And it's the same way in, 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 with God you've just got to trust God you're trying so hard and you're trying to make it happen. And you're trying to work this thing out and the more you try the deeper the hole gets you say well you mean pastor that we just we just believe God and we can do what not and say you can do see see people that think people that think that you can just do whatever you want to do in receiving the grace of God they're deceived the grace of God empowers you to do right and I'll just give you these last few verses in Romans 6. I want to back up. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Say that with me. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Say it. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Say it again. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Why? Go back to verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer to that? Certainly not. Absolutely not. How stupid is that? You know, or something. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We should. Verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Say, I am not a slave of sin from this day forward. Amen. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, then we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, likewise. Verse 10, I'm going to read it again. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. likewise, me also, I reckon myself to be dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive unto God. Likewise, the same way that he died for all people, and now death and sin have no more dominion over mankind, likewise now I choose, because of what he did and what he just said right there, that sin and death shall not have dominion over my life, and as a result of sin not having dominion over my life, then fear has no dominion over me. I say today, fear and sin do not have power To overwork you and overcome you. What Adam did in the garden that started fear out, Jesus destroyed it at Calvary and now has empowered you and I in our own lives to give fear no place. Fear shall not have dominion over me. I'm not in the wages business of life in Christ Jesus. I'm I'm in the gift business. Amen? I'm in the gift-receiving business, and I'm receiving the gift of God and the gift of righteousness that I've received in Christ Jesus, and I receive nothing else. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I don't care about anything else because if I give in and I care about something and I try too hard to work it out, I dig a pit for myself. And I find myself falling into it. I cannot allow the offenses of other people to affect my life. I cannot let what other people go through to affect my life. What I was created to do was to help people through their stuff. What I'm telling you today is what I believe. It's something I've been through. It's something I've practiced, I've developed. I'm telling you today that fear does not have to rule and control your life. Did I say that the potential or the opportunity to fear will not come your way? Actually, probably before you get out of here, the opportunity will come. Or at least by the parking lot. Or at least as you're driving down the hill. Or through the gate. Or by the time you get to a restaurant somewhere, or you're going home, or wherever you're going. Right? Sometime during this day, you're going to have an opportunity to fear. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, because the devil is not in the pit yet. And until he gets in the pit, he works overtime to make sure to get you to believe that God will not do what he said he'll do, but I'm telling you, he will, even if you know things didn't happen in the past, and you were a part of something that didn't, or you know things didn't work in someone else's life, and they were righteous people, and they were great people, and it didn't work for them, and I'm not talking about not having compassion for people. I'm saying, you can't let what other happens to other people in their lives affect the way you believe God. Amen? I am on the receiving end of the gifts of grace and righteousness, and I will not wage myself into the kingdom of God because it doesn't work, and I will not be victorious. And the last song that we sang up here today about heaven touching earth and the Spirit of God being liberated and free, everywhere you go, the Spirit of God should be liberated and free to move in the lives of other people and help them and be a blessing to them. Amen? Come on, give God praise today. <clears throat> So, I'm asking you this one question today as we end. And you've got to stand in faith if you stand in your seat based on what I'm asking you. Is there anybody here today that could say, I need help? There's two honest ones. How many could say that they need help today? Listen. That wasn't a trick question. <laughs> if He gave us a helper, <laughs> it's because we need help. I'm telling you, my hand is up. I need help. With fear coming from every direction and everybody around you, most of the people around you stooped in fear, we got a load on our, ch- on our shoulders. But, We don't take that load. We take his load. His is easy and light. I'm telling you, man, it's a win-win. It's win, 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 win. We win.